this episode, I chatted with Kyle Borgannoni. He is a writer, editor, content manager, and DFS podcast host with the Fantasy Footballers. He's also the 2020 FSWA Football Article of the Year winner, a topic that he went into depth on. We talked about all kinds of topics, such as being with Fantasy Footballers for as long as he has, the editing tips that you need to know as a writer, getting involved in DFS, and so much more. Follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle underscore Borg. Check out his DFS podcast with former Get Real guest Matthew Betts. And make sure you follow his work over with the Fantasy Footballers. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the Casey Kasem. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at GetReal underscore pod. You can find my writing with the Fantasy Footballers as well. Please make sure to rate and review this podcast as I rely on y'all to help spread the word. Remember, this podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. Make sure you go over there and check out all the great podcasts. Now, here's my chat with Kyle Borgannoni. Hey. Yo. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, let me see if I can get my... And I love that hat. Give me one second. All right, thanks. I have a twins one that's kind of Ah, uh, like yes, it is. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> like it, like it. You have style. <laughs> or I have style. I don't know. <laughs> I know I know you like like some hats, and I've got, I've got yeah. some as well. Yeah, I, I like the one you're wearing as of right this minute. <laughs> Very nice. Um, yeah, so I hopefully I have everything all nice. I've got a, a little bit of a weird setup going on. But... <sighs> think it should be all right okay so <laughs> let's get started um the first question i have for you is basically the same question that i ask everybody when we first start out it is uh you know just kind of dip our toes in the water and just go over how did you first start playing fantasy sports and was fantasy football the first sport you played uh fantasy wise or was there something else that you played first it's actually fantasy baseball and uh i remember in middle school I would eat lunch as fast as I possibly could so I could hop on our little slow as crap school computers and play fantasy baseball and sporting news. And uh, my friends and I would play against one another. And so, yeah, fantasy baseball is kind of where I got started in middle school. And then in high school, I played fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball, fantasy football. Um, I was I was all about all of those. So, yeah, that's how I got started. That's an awesome. Uh, it seems like everybody gets started playing fantasy baseball first. Um, at least a lot of the uh, Matthew Berries of the world and 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 guys of, <laughs> that have been around for a while. So it's pretty cool to see somebody uh, else on that list of people who played fantasy baseball first. I've tried it. It's a, <laughs> it's a headache for me, but. Um, and you are somebody that I've actually never talked to in person before. So you're somebody kind of brand new to me. So <laughs> we're going to try to learn a little bit more about you tonight. Um, so we're going to talk more about your transition from just playing fantasy sports. How, before that even happened, how did you start playing fantasy football? Was it a natural progression or, uh, you know, was it like I can do both or how, how did it go? Yeah, for me, it's funny. My first one of my, some of my first memories growing up were uh, probably about three or four years old. And when I was four four years old, I remember getting the paper and asking my parents, "Can I have the sports section of the paper?" Uh, because I love box scores, and so I felt like from an early age uh, that that was just my section, and that the parents, my parents, would give us 
uh, open the paper in the morning and that's what I would do. I would eat my cereal and, uh, and read the paper and, you know, watch sports center from, I started watching sports center, you know, age six or seven. So I was always really interested in sports and sports statistics. Uh, I played baseball all growing up. And so I just, I loved that numbers got to tell a story of the game. And so that kind of naturally went into football and, you know, the biggest difference between playing fantasy baseball and football is obviously the games like, you know, 16 weeks is a long haul, you know, for us that do it now and do it every week. But like baseball is a different animal when you're looking at it every single day. And so I liked the fact with football, I could make the moves, I could um, stay engaged. uh, But it also did give me a chance in high school to have, have a real life. I'd only have to look at it on the really on the weekends at that point. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it was kind of a natural progression of, you know, baseball was kind of my life and I still love baseball today. I still do, but uh, moving into football was kind of a natural progression. Awesome. Do you, uh, are you still in the same league that you first started out in and either baseball or football or has that ship sailed? Yeah. I, some days I wish that I could go back to baseball. Um, but yeah, I'm only playing football right now. I played basketball for a couple of years and I actually did pretty well, uh, in those leagues, but I gave that up since football is kind of my full-time thing. I was actually in a fantasy baseball league with, uh, Andy Holloway. Oh, okay. Uh, couple, there you go. A couple of years ago, we were in the leagues together and then we both just said, I just, <laughs> I don't know if we can keep this up with everything else going on in our life, but, um, I do have a home league for football that's been going on since college and that is still by far my favorite league and I don't know how you feel about home leagues but like that one's just the one that means the most to me no I totally agree I love I love my home league like it may be basic or whatever but it's still super fun to just you know get together with those folks and and have a good time so you what is your favorite type of fantasy to play do you are you a redraft uh we'll get to dfs <laughs> dfs uh, dynasty are you a little bit of column a b and c how, how does it work for you yeah my my favorite still is redraft and um i mentioned my home league but i've never won my home league as sad as that is yeah. i'm the one that does this you know as my job but i've never won it and so that league means so much to me because it's so competitive um, it's super fun. And that's actually how I got started in the podcasting world is I did a podcast for my home league and it's still my favorite podcast I've ever done is, you know, me and, you know, there's 11 other people in the league and I would get people to send in voicemail clips, uh, just little voice memos each week. And I would spend, you know, there's a couple years where I'd spend a good 10 hours putting that thing together where I'd figure out everybody's intro music and I'd interview somebody and have different segments and, um, so that was part of my favorite thing that I did. And, and so that league is still my favorite format. It's just one QB. Um, it's full PPR, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, two flex. And then, yeah, we still got the kicker in defense, which if yep. you guys know me, I, I I love talking about a kicker. So uh, it's it's a fun league. We, we switched to doing some keepers. So uh, you can keep somebody for up to three years. And so um, – yeah, I love that league. There's some continuity in terms of players. Uh, I've had Keenan Allen for way too many years, but I love them. But uh, I do love that league. That That's awesome. What, what kind of advice do you have for those individuals out there that want to put together some sort of podcast for their league? Yeah, it, for me, I always tell people, like, it's 
the uh, when you're doing a league, you're trying to make it fun. Like winning is is definitely a part of it, and I want to yeah. win. Obviously, <laughs> maybe that's my advice to myself because never won. But uh, you're trying to get as much engagement in a league. There's no fun in winning a league where there's no trades and there's no talk during the week. And so having a simple podcast, in my opinion, is not super hard. Like anybody could really do it. You know, you use GarageBand or you, you could use StreamYard and you could use anything and find somebody else in the league, come up with a simple little outline on a Google Doc. And it, it I mean, people would look forward to Fridays in our league. Like I have so many people in our league be like, why is the podcast not out? Like I have my morning coffee on Fridays, you know, with the podcast. And so it, it was just you know, it was super fun. And, and I just tell people like, if you want more league engagement, if you want a better league, then that's an easy way to facilitate it because people are already listening to podcasts in general and you can get so much more involvement. I always told people when you're in your car, take out your phone, you know, get the voice memo or whatever app you want and record, you know, a minute of trash talk or just some thoughts you have about the league. And if you send that to me, I can put that in the podcast and kind of splice up the clips. So um, I have some very, very fun, quotable memories from my friends that have uh, just been from them recording stupid things for our podcast. That's great. I mean, I love hearing that kind of stuff about leagues, especially like with the creative aspect of it all. That's awesome. So if somebody was to get into podcasting in general, is there anything just as an overlying blanket statement, uh, the biggest piece of advice you can give to somebody who wants to podcast and maybe wants to start off by just doing their leagues? What What is something that they need to like really look into? Yeah. And, and I would just say the best place to start and to try it out is with your friends because, you know, mm -hmm. I, we were putting that podcast out, like it was just, you know, 10 of us. And we got to the point where we wanted to like, you know, post it out. And so we, you know, we'd have like family and friends that would listen to it. I mean, we had friends in other States that would listen to it, <laughs> even if they weren't a part of the league, but that was the best place to start. And so I would, I would encourage people, you know, you can get a pretty simple microphone. Um, you can use your phone if you want to, but it's just piecing that together. I had so much fun finding people's intro music. I mean, <laughs> it's been hours just saying, okay, what do I want this person's intro music to go into their interview? And so there's just so many ways that you can personalize it. So yeah, you can get a you know, simple microphone, you know, maybe 40, 50 bucks. You find that on Amazon. And what we did, and I, I I'd encourage people to do this, is you can get your league to put that as part of their fees this year and say, hey, we're going to set aside $100 this year. And that's going to go completely just to podcasting fees. And it just comes out of everyone's, you know, if you, if you have a money league, just that's all that's going to come out this year. That way we have the equipment, it's in front of us, and we can just start. And so it, it's really just playing around with it. It's a lot of trial and error. If you listen to our first couple of ones back in like 2015, it's, you know, me and my phone basically. And then it progressed to, you know, us doing kind of video calls. And uh, last year during the pandemic, like it was perfect for us because we could transition um, during that, especially the beginning of the season. I really like, I really like the getting your league mates involved. That's really cool is, We'll get back to talking more about podcasting in a little bit, but I want to know, how did you find out that being a fantasy analyst, being a writer, being a podcaster or whatever was an actual thing that you could actually do? Yeah, that's funny. I So I've, I've been a teacher. Uh, I've been a pastor, but I've always loved writing. Like it's just, it's 
been something that I've, I have tons and tons of journals. Um, it's just, I write in write all the time. And so, um, my parents, if you would have asked them what I would have done growing up, they would have said, oh, he's probably gonna do something with sports and with writing. And about 2014 or so, I started to get back into fantasy a little bit more serious with that uh, home league. I was like, all right, I'm going to win this league. I've never won. I'm going to do this. And so I started checking out different websites, uh, whether it be fantasy pros, started listening to fantasy footballers 2014, 2015. And uh, I noticed on fantasy pros, they have a section for a news correspondent, which is basically follow your favorite team and just write a blurb. And I'm, I was used to blurbs from places like Roto World. And so, hey, I'm, I'm already checking out all the games for the Falcons and the Braves. Those are my two favorite teams. So might as well just write. And I, I didn't even care about getting paid. I just wanted to be immersed in what the team was doing. So that was kind of my foot in the door of just getting to be around it, do it regularly. And I got to do it at my own pace. And so I, I've, I've encouraged a lot of people. That's a great first step is just – Hey, you don't have any experience writing? That's okay. That's actually a a great place just to look at stats and just give a quick little fantasy spin. So that was a fun little uh, year, year and a half of just writing blurbs over and over again for the Braves and the Falcons. Sometimes they didn't even matter, you know, their fourth string wide receiver. But uh, so that was kind of how I got first started in this kind of space. And then you brought up the fantasy footballers about how you had, you know, started listening to them and everything. How did, first off, before that event, was there anything between, you know, doing the blurbs and being with the fantasy footballers or have you been with the footballers since, you know, day one of doing this? So I, I was with, I did fantasy pros as just, I mean, I was just going to write and I wasn't even, I didn't even think about getting paid. Honestly, mm -hmm. it was just like I had fun writing out my thoughts. I'd write an article, you know, every once in a while. It was a perfect little space for my life. But as I started podcasting for my league, my wife used to joke. She says, like, if you're going to spend time on this, you should probably get paid to do this. And <laughs> it's probably true. I'm sure there's so many people uh, on Twitter in the fantasy space that their significant others have said the same thing to them. Like, hey, you spend a lot of time on this. Someone should pay you. Uh, so from fantasy pros... Uh, I was writing just, you know, every once in a while. And then the footballers put out their first call for their writing staff back in, I want to say 2015. And I just happened to be a part of that first career. I happened to come across the tweet and, you know, I had listened to footballers because they were fun. Like I, I, when I got back into fantasy football, the thing that I cared most about was I wanted to make my league fun. And they, these were the guys that I, I noticed they did that. So I was in that first call. I happened to make it through. And years later, Jason told me that when they were, you know, putting those applications out, mine just stuck out for some reason to him. And uh, he made me like, he's like, oh, I was going to make you one of our first picks. I was like, I don't know what that means, Jason, <laughs> but uh, it makes sense all these years later. But uh, so that that's how I got into writing for the fantasy footballers. That's a great story. So being in that first wave of, writers for the fantasy footballers what kind of feelings did you have going into that since you were you know the first crew to come in yeah so i didn't know how big the footballers much less the space was i mean mm -hmm. i mean i had i don't know 500 followers on twitter like it was it was nothing and on top of that i just didn't really know the space like i didn't know the big names 
Um, I was doing it for my league and I was doing it honestly just to be more informed. And so that first crew really gave me the opportunity to write, you know, about some things that I cared about, but it gave me a chance just to kind of like take a step back and go like, okay, what, what else is there? What else uh, are people talking about in this space? Because it's really, I think it's easy to write about hindsight analysis. This player did that last year. I think this player will do this this year. You know, we all do that. Every Everybody does that. Everybody looks at last year and then we kind of make some conclusions or I like this player, or I have this hunch. And so that was honestly what I was <laughs> writing was just like, I like this guy and let me find some statistics. Like Matthew Berry always mentions that, like you can twist any statistic you want to kind of tell your story. So being a part of that first career, I felt like I got to like sharpen my skills from people that honestly knew more about fantasy football than me. Um, and there's some really sharp people, people that have been around the industry for a while, people that started off with us that have done, you know, really big things. Like if you look at kind of our tree, our fantasy footballers tree from that first year and a little bit onward, like we've had people go to the NFL network, you know, we've had people with PFF. Um, we just, we just had people grow from that season. Uh, we've had Kyle Yates, you know, now with fantasy pros a couple years later. So we've just had a lot of names that have grown. And so that's helped me kind of sharpen those skills. But honestly, Jason would say this too, like it was a blank slate. I mean, the only people writing articles on the fantasy footballers website was like Mike every once in a while, maybe. And I mean, Andy, not really. And they, they had a friend, like it was actually really minimal. If you scroll all the way back and, you know, I've gotten to do that. Like it was, it was not much. So uh, we really got to kind of give uh, some fuel to the fire of something they wanted to build out. And we were just kind of the green people saying, we're in. And what's the importance of having a body of work to present when you're trying to, you know, get on with one of the larger sites? Why is it important to put out content if you want to get noticed? Yeah, every year we get thousands of people that apply to be the writer. Like when we put out the call, the guys purposely do this. They mention it one time verbally on the podcast. They never tweet it out. They never do any of that stuff. And we still get, you know, thousands of submissions. And it's always interesting to me that we have people that send it in that have zero writing samples. I don't even care if you write for a website, but just anything. It, it's it's easy to knock someone off of like, I don't even have a Google Doc in front of me. I don't even have your college dissertation. I mean, I've had people send like their college dissertation, which is awesome. Like I at least have something in front of me uh -huh. that tells me I, I had someone years ago that sent me, you know, nothing to do with fantasy football, but it showed that they knew how to talk about statistics and that impressed me a ton. So yeah, with fantasy pros, it was great to kind of have this body of work of like, I'm consistent. I have a couple of articles here and there, but even people that have started their own websites, you know, anything in front of you, like it's, you just need to start writing. And honestly, the best writers keep writing and they keep writing and they're not even waiting for an opportunity. And some of my favorite ideas I've ever had are honestly still in a notebook that I haven't told anyone else that I, you know, and I, maybe they're crappy ideas. I don't know, but <laughs> the point was just that I got it out there. I got it on paper. It's in front of me and you get to develop it. So I would just encourage people if you're starting out writing, if you want to, you know, go to a bigger website, whatever it is, just, you need to keep writing 
and not wait for, you know, the big website. Like the, if that comes, that's fine. But if I never made it to footballers, I probably still would have done the things that I enjoyed, which is just writing and making my league fun. And how has your evolution there? How has, how has it been career-wise? What are the, the steps that you've taken over the years and where are you now? And also let everybody know, cause I know this is a recent, more recent promotion that you got with the fantasy footballer. So just go ahead and, and describe that whole entire journey, I guess you will. For sure. So I, I started in 2015 uh, with them as one of their, you know, just writers like anyone else. And it became pretty clear and maybe it was me annoying Brooks or <laughs> whatever it was, but, Brooks and I kind of hit it off in terms of, and maybe it's my personality, but I'm, I love being able to fulfill needs for people and come through. And so if you know this about Brooks, people that listen to our show, like he is just so selfless, never wants to make it about himself. The guys always try to you know have jokes about him, and, but Brooks is just a selfless person. And so I kind of hit it off with him of just how can I, you know, come through for you? If you need any help editing, like, I'm a former English teacher, so I understand, you know, what looks good and what, what doesn't. And he quickly kind of shared like, hey, I've been editing our stuff, but long term, I don't want to do that. And they knew that. So uh, it kind of progressed to a point where uh, they wanted to offload some of that. And I kind of had showed some potential and filled in for Brooks a couple of times. So then I became the editor in chief, I believe, in 2017. Years are kind of hazy right now, but 2017. And so for the next three years, it kind of grew from our writers would submit their articles, kind of like how you do, Casey. And I get to look at the article. I get to you know edit any grammar mistakes, which we all have, and then make sure that the content looks good on the page, you know, with uh, the graphics, the links, making sure it link, it's linked up. Andy's really good at that. I would actually tell people Andy might be the best person in the industry at getting you to our website. Like he just knows how to put links everywhere that people land on our site. And my job was pretty much just that. And I liked it. I liked that it had its own space in my life. And I devote probably about 15 hours a week, honestly, 10 to 15 hours. And it, some parts of the season, it's a little bit slower. Once you get to like February and March, it's like, it's actually a great thing to kind of slow down and get some perspective. But then during the season, you understand it's like a it's like a grind where we have all of these uh, articles that come out. And eventually I just I, I think in numbers a lot of time and numbers telling a story. And so I just started throwing stats all the time to Brooks and to the guys and they started making their way on the show. And I wasn't looking for like, please say my name. I came up like <laughs> I just found some numbers on, on the Internet. And eventually they were like, hey, do you want to just keep? helping us out with our show. So my job kind of morphed from just editing articles to in charge of the show docs with Brooks, where Brooks would build it all out. He'd have the structure for it. And then I would fill in all the talking points. And so that became honestly my favorite part of the job is how can I set these guys up to just kill it and what they're good at. You know, there's a reason why I still like listening to the show. You know, I, I, I cannot wait until I get that notification to watch it on YouTube because it's fun and they flow. And so their job is to take what Brooks and I set up and, you know, statistics and whatnot and turn that into a conversation, turn it into something that people really enjoy. So that kind of morphed 
And I, I loved that part of the job. I did that for probably the last two years. And then recently I've become full-time where this is my full-time thing, what I do. Uh, and I am editor-in-chief slash content manager. And what that means is that everything you see in the ultimate draft kit, everything you see in the dynasty pass is kind of me making sure it's tight, making sure that it's filtered. So mm-hmm. I know we're recording this and it'll come out later, but like when we found out about the franchise tags, yeah. you know, about Allen Robinson, I, like I was the one updating that and making sure all of our charts and stuff for the bears was, was clean because now we know, okay, he's probably gonna play for the bears now. So the content part is, is super fun because I, I care about, I get to look at all of it, not just our articles, not just for the show, but just everything we do. How do we make sure that our content makes sense and that uh, people are growing? And so one of the questions I get to ask all the time, Casey is like, does this matter? Like, there's so many statistics out there, but does this matter for our audience? And does it matter for the people that love our show? So I'm still asking that today. Well, <laughs> I have a question about people writing and the and the errors and the, the mistakes that they may make through, you know, throughout their writing or whatever. What is something that people focus too much on? And what is something that you think that they, as a whole, people could focus more on when it comes to making sure your article is written well. For sure. I, what's funny is that I have to edit my own articles all the time. And so there, there's, I always ask Brooks to, to like later on, just look at it, but man, we, we, it's so hard to look at your own article and get kind of an outside perspective. And I get mm-hmm. that. Like, so it doesn't bother me. Like the grammar mistakes actually don't bother me at all. Um, even as a former English teacher, like I, I, do, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, on Twitter and when I talk, like I just kind of say whatever. I'm from the South. It's, it's rough sometimes the way I talk. <laughs> but uh, I think what I would encourage people is a lot of times people will say, I think that this player will do this when really you should just say this player might do this instead of you're a lot of times we're inserting our own voice and we're trying to get people to like, agree with us when like, let Mm -hmm. the writing do that, let the writing uh, accomplish that. But on the other side, we're often kind of dogmatic when we write. And I'm a little bit, I try to be a little bit more nuanced when I say, here's a range of outcomes for players. Uh, And I think that's actually a better way to look at projections and what we think a player will do. Like, it's great that you might have a strong take on a running back this year. You're like, Oh, I really like Josh Jacobs this year. Well, there's a range of outcomes for Josh Jacobs that go from probably being the RB5 to like he could easily be the RB25. Right. And uh, I'm not saying that you need to say that every single time. Like you want to be clear, but a lot of times we're often too dogmatic in how we, we approach things. And so I think it's good for readers to understand that. Like people look at the indices and rankings or they look at the rankings week to week and say, well, this gives me one outcome. Like, well, there's a range of outcomes all the time. And then I would say the last thing that I don't see happen a ton, but I think it's an important question is when you're talking about a player, asking yourself the question, what have I not seen? Because we, whatever we've seen with our eyes, that's what we write about. Mm -hmm. But then when we ask the other question, okay, what did I not see this year? Uh, and I think it's super important when we're looking at context or we're looking at situations like 
I've been trying to look more at offensive lines recently, not just like all the, you know, I don't care to know every single offensive lineman, but am I actually putting that in my analysis? Like, or am I just saying like Josh Jacobs, he's going to be great because he's a great early down runner when you're like, oh, they just lost three of their linemen. Like they could easily take a step back there. And I need to add that into my context rather than just looking at his fantasy points or what he did last year. Like the offensive line has a huge role in what he does. And that brings more into the analysis. It's another piece of the puzzle that I think is super important and allows the reader to go, oh, there's a bigger story than just Josh Jacobs. He's an RB1. And what's your favorite topic to write about when you're writing an article? Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. I do like talking about range of outcomes. Uh, we do a series every year called the Path to Wide Receiver One. And that's been, we've done that for about four years. And I love saying, well, what if this player goes off this year? You know, what if you get some guy like my boy, Marvin Jones, who I love. <laughs> yes, we know that. <laughs> I, just, I love Marvin Jones. Yes. What if Marvin Jones was a wide receiver one? And he almost got there. He, like he he was pretty close, but what, what could that look like? And uh-huh. so you're giving a bunch of scenarios for people because you have your rankings going into the season. And honestly, like they need to be pretty fluid. You need to be able to ask the question sometimes, like, what if I'm wrong? Like, what, what if I'm wrong on this player? So I do like talking about range of outcomes. I don't mind researching things that no one wants to research like kickers. And <laughs> so, and then another way that I like to look at data is I kind of ask a big question. And I think this is really fun for anybody who's a writer. Just ask a really big question and then go do the research and then let that do the talking for you instead of coming up with your opinion. So remember doing a piece a couple of years ago, can rookie quarterbacks sustain wide receiver production? So I was like, okay, that's a big, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it is. So I looked at every rookie quarterback for the last 15 years and just saw what their wide receivers did. I mean, it wasn't like a complicated thing. And what I found out is like 60 something, 65% of the time, a rookie quarterback doesn't have a wide receiver that finishes in the top 36. Like that's, that's pretty overwhelming that rookie quarterbacks can't really sustain meaningful fantasy production. So it's, it's kind of like one of those situations where I'd rather fade the situation with a rookie quarterback and uh, it just took a big question to figure that out. That's a great idea <laughs> and and great advice. And I want to know more about, since we're talking about writing, I want to know more about the award that you just won with the FSWA. Um, what exactly did you win? And what was the whole topic of the article that you wrote? I wish they would have given me a Chili's gift card or something. (laughs) I got got a plaque back here. But um, yeah, so the article I wrote last year, I believe it was last May, uh, was Fantasy Football and the Evolution of Language. And that had been another one of those concepts that I just wrote down in my notebook. I just have a notebook on my desk. And it kind of sat there, honestly, for three or four months. And I had a conversation with my mother-in-law who doesn't care about sports, you know, but uh, she had listened to one of the podcasts that I did and she said, wow, that was really, really impressive, which, you know, she didn't know any players, but she said, that sounds like you're speaking a different language. And that started like turning some gears in my mind. Like, honestly, like fantasy football is a different language. Like you and I, Casey, 
speak a pretty weird language to someone else where when we're talking about upside and wide receiver ones and ceiling right. and you know it's <laughs> like what are you guys even discussing here? Yeah, right. <laughs> so that kind of got the discussion with that. And I've I have a couple of friends who are professors mm-hmm. and they're linguistic professors and they've studied languages. One of my friends is just the genius. Like he knows like four or five dead languages, like just knows them, like can read them, wrote like books on them that are published. Like, dude, you're way too smart. I don't even, I knew that language exists. I don't know anything else, but you know the whole language and basically how to speak it. And one of the things that he talked about is the way that language changes over time. And the way that you really see language is, is it passed on to a younger generation. That's like how you really see uh, something prevailing and flourishing is, is it passed on to the next generation? Like, are there young people speaking this way or speaking these, you know, this kind of lingo? And so you can see a lot of old timey fashion, you know, things are just not talked about anymore and they get phased out of our culture. Mm-hmm. And with fantasy football, that got me thinking like, what type of things are we passing down to the next generation? Like I have, I have two boys they are super young, four and, and one, but you know, what kind of thing, what would they hear if they heard daddy talk about fantasy football? And honestly, like a, a lot of the culture is one-upping someone else. It's uh, kind of a macho culture. And it's something where it doesn't really dignify people all the time. And that's just kind of something that uh, struck me. And I'm not saying I've been perfect at it. Like I'm not trying to get on my high horse. But when you think about it, when we talk about players, it's like if they did bad, like, oh, I hate that player. They didn't do this for me in my one yeah, league. Right. And, and you know, so – and you see it on Twitter all the time, people tagging players, saying, you know, they played terrible. And so that's a conversation with the fantasy footballers that we'd actually have for a while. We talked about language changes. We talked about some of the things that we wanted to do. And when Yahoo and ESPN made that announcement um, a little after that, uh, was something that we were wanting to be on board with. I mean, we, Mike, I would say Mike was the one that had that conversation with us back in February. I mean, we were just like, okay, what, what are some changes we can make this year? And so we kind of sat on it and I thought it was the perfect kind of mix for me to share some of that language, mm-hmm. uh, things that I was really interested in with, you know, how we talk about this. And, you know, I've got some great feedback, obviously I won an award. I've got a lot of people that trolled on it and said I was quote too woke which my wife laughed her head off. she's like oh you're the last person that I oh my goodness too woke. But you're so woke <laughs> I know I, I can't help myself as Just... a 33 year old dad um, <laughs> but I wanted to give people some words just a conversation to start yeah and I try to say the whole time through there I, I, this is the hardest part when you're receiving feedback is I try to make it really clear I am not trying to give an across the board, everyone needs to say things this way. Like I do want to find a way and start a conversation about how we can dignify these people. And that's what they are. They're not pawns. They're not like, they're real people. And the craziest part is we talk about these people sometimes in such derogatory ways, but they're super humans. Like how can you talk down about Derrick Henry if he does something like I mean, he's like five human beings combined into one. And 
it's uh, it's just an opportunity for us to look at these people, to appreciate them for who they are, to not put them on a pedestal like they're real people, but uh, to kind of dignify and honor them. So that that was kind of the the main thought process that went into it. And how did you feel when you found out that you were nominated? Not even the winning part, just the whole nomination part. I'll have to give that credit to Mike, Mike Wright, because honestly, I didn't know how to nominate myself. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I did get a lot of good feedback from people in the industry. Uh, Robert Waziak, who writes for us, um, done DFS. He's like, dude, if you don't nominate that article, I will. I will bang on the door of Andy Barron's and tell him that article needs to be nominated. So I was like, that's cool. I don't know how to nominate it if you guys want to go there. So Mike was the one that got to nominate it. And I felt pretty good because it had got some um, some steam around the industry, but also it was kind of far reaching and probably different than mm -hmm. most other articles. You know, it wasn't like a week 11 waiver article, but that's awesome. I love that article, but <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of this broader cultural one. And so I felt thankful that I fell into that. Mm -hmm. uh, I told my mother-in-law that she helped me write that. And she goes, I didn't do a thing, but I was kind of a perfect timing and perfect, especially with a lot of the things I think as a, as a culture, we've been insensitive to and myself included, like I needed to shut up and listen. So I think it gave me an opportunity to like, here's my say. All right. I'm going to shut up for a while now. I think that's great. And uh, it, it was a breath, breath of fresh air to have something like that come out that does reach a broader audience. I mean, it doesn't just apply to fantasy football. It's like everyday thing to think about the, the way you use your words. Do you remember the first article that you ever wrote? I wrote, <laughs> I remember this at, at, at Fantasy Pros. Mm -hmm. I wrote an article on Ladarius Green. Okay. <laughs> and Ladarius Green, the tight end. Uh, I believe he was on the Chargers and he was hyped. And I think he, um, I think he got signed by the Steelers. And so some, probably some hype piece about Ladarius Green, which <laughs> never really materialized. <laughs> so to go from that to, uh, you know, award winner over here <laughs> and winning the award, when you found out that you won, how was that experience? And what was that moment like? Yeah. So I got to, you know, be on the radio with uh with brad evans brandon funston andy barons um and they just kind of asked me those questions on the air and honestly like the talking part of the radio didn't really do that much for me but it was like i knew that those guys had actually heard of that article they'd read it and then andy just kind of on the air I remember him saying like you nailed the things that we were looking for and i felt like it was a conversation that if anything brought us a little bit further ahead as kind of an industry and just into how we talk. And then afterwards, uh, our, you know, our Slack channel was pretty, it's pretty lit in terms of, uh, them going off. And honestly, I think Mike Wright was more happy than I was. Like he, was <laughs> he was going crazy for that and, uh, texted my wife about it. And so, yeah, it was a good feeling. And it, it was, I think it was a good affirming feeling for me because, you know, I had just started in, January of this year, this new role. Uh -huh. And um, I think a lot of people say their dream is to be in the fantasy space. Like I wouldn't say my dream was to do this. My dream was to be around awesome people and to have fun. And yeah. I get to do that with the fantasy footballers. And so uh, I think there's a little 
intimidation and a little bit of trepidation in my heart. Like, oh, I'm, this is new for me. This is a new, I've never known this side. I've been a teacher, pastor for 15 years. And so what if this is not what I thought it would be? And so I think the award was definitely a little bit of affirmation for me. Well, congratulations. I'm really, I was so excited when I found out that you won. So yeah, I'm, I was very excited. Do you have a specific process when you go to write? Is there anything that you have to do in order to get in the right mindset to put an article out? Um, I will say that I'm a messy writer in the sense of I do not go in order by any means. I usually don't write my introduction first at all. And I definitely don't write my conclusion last. I throw down on a Google Doc or whatever, just like as much thoughts as I can. And I ask questions to myself and usually put in brackets like, okay, you need to find a stat about this or you need to think about this. So I think part of my writing process is, and that's served me well, is that if I have an idea, it's out there either in paper or on a Google Doc and I'll get to it later. I won't wait uh, and say, oh, I'll remember this, or I will just try to get as much things out as, as fast as possible. Uh, in my office, I have this giant uh, whiteboard that's basically the size of an entire wall that I've just always loved whiteboards. And so that's kind of divided up into, if I have an idea, I throw it on there. Um, and I have reminders for myself all the time too. So that's part of the process that I like. And I think if anyone else, if my wife saw how I put together an article, it would be a bit messy, but in my mind, the most important part is the idea. And the writing part is just me kind of expanding and, and drawing on that big idea. And honestly, sometimes I don't know the answer to it. And like I said earlier, sometimes you ask a really big question and it's okay if you don't have the answer. And it's, yeah. it's actually okay if you ask the question and the answer sucks. <laughs> At least you got to see what the answer was to that question. Right, exactly. And you also, besides writing, you also uh, you do the DFS podcast over with the fantasy footballers as well. And I've had Matthew Betts on and we we talked about that. But for those that haven't listened to that episode or just need a refresher or, you know, everybody should know what it is by now. But if they don't, can you go ahead and, and tell me more about the podcast and how it came about? For sure. And I did. I did listen to that episode. It was a great episode, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. Uh, I think it was back in November. Yeah, it was a um, while back. It, so uh, yeah, Betts and I, Betts, uh, man, he, he's become such a good friend outside of just DFS world where, you know, we talk pretty frequently. Uh, Betts is all the way up in Vermont. So it's like a different world up there yeah. compared, to, <laughs> compared to Georgia. But the DFS pod, I had been editing all of our DFS stuff for a while. So in season, you know, we have we've had some awesome writers over the years. Ben Cummins has done it. Chris Meany. Jake Seeley. I mean, we've had some awesome people write articles. And so honestly, I've been in that world. I've dabbled in DFS just playing over the years. But this past year, I've got to write a little bit more. I would fill in if anybody was missing a week, like I'd write the D the DraftKings article. Uh, the year before I wrote a bunch of wide receiver cornerbacks. So I was doing a ton of the work. And the guys were trying to figure out what's the direction of the DFS pod. And the biggest thing wasn't the past was bad by any means but it kind of lacked just that homegrown footballers feel. Mm -hmm. And at one point the ballers were just trying to figure out like, what do we do with this pod? And I gave some opinions on it, like in one of our Slack channels, like, Oh, you know, here's what I like about it. Here's what I don't like about it. And I just offered like, guys, 
I want to see this thing succeed. So let me know how I can help. And it kind of started from there of Mike, like, would you want to do this? And I, I hadn't really podcasted a ton uh, recently. You know, I'd done my home league. I used to do a little bit with fantasy pros. I actually did. If you go all the way back, I did some fantasy baseball draft kit stuff on the mic. <laughs> and I would, you know, do some guest spots every once in a while, but they hadn't really heard me own a mic. And I wouldn't say that it's my best place. Like the way that I talk, honestly, uh, even just my cadence, my voice, like sometimes I talk too quick. So I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I think we all feel a little nervous. Do you still feel that way sometimes? Yeah. (laughs) 99% of the time. I mean, it goes away right away, but like at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I sound like a total dork. Quit rambling, you know? So, (laughs) um, but is there anything that you do to kind of like calm yourself down if you're nervous or do you just have to get through it? I had a, so my major in college was rhetoric, which is basically public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that I'm the best public speaker, the most nuanced or most thoughtful, but I did have a couple of professors, one in particular that just, he said this to me and it sounded so stupid at the time, but it was right. He's like, it's only awkward if you want it to be. And I just remember that for some reason, that piece of advice stuck with me so much. Like, you know, we all feel like we're the awkward ones when we're talking, but it's only really awkward if we want it to be. Yeah. And so I would tell the I would tell this to students all the time. You know, I didn't mind being an idiot or you know, just being silly in front of the class because I just said, I just assume you guys are the awkward ones. I feel totally fine. And part of that was just growing in, in terms of my voice and how I would say things. Like on the DFS pod, you can hear Bets and I at first, like, okay, we're getting used to each other, we're getting used to how we talk about DFS on, on the podcast. And you get a couple of weeks in, and I think we hit our sweet spot. We're like, this is about us having fun yep. and us finding our voice and us finding our jokes and, and different things we talk about. And that's what makes, I think, the fans football are so fun is they're not trying to perform. They're just being themselves. And so for me, I'm not going to be Jason. That's not me. But for me, the way that I am is, you know, I have witty, you know, some witty moments. I can tell stories. I love statistics and they t- tell stories and I love just like random stupid trivia. Um, I used to keep a document on of every single football player's middle name in the league. Uh, <laughs> wow. So I was, I was, uh, I try to sneak them in every once in a while in, uh, in our show doc just to throw people off. But so just the quirky stuff is, is me and what, what was fun. And so for the DFS pod, it was something where bets has been podcasting for a while. And then it was us just figuring out our chemistry. The problem with DFS is that when you record so much changes during the weekend. So when sometimes we would record on a Wednesday or Thursday, by the time somebody listens on a Saturday, a player's out or, you know, and and it's just a different type of game than redraft. And so I think there's a learning curve still for us Uh in what's helpful for people. And I'm a, I'm a teacher. I want to teach people how to play and I want to teach people how to fish. Like, I don't want to just say play this player. Like that's not very fun. Because then when you do well, you say, Kyle, you told me this. Great job. Or this was bad. Kyle, well, how dare you tell me <laughs> you know, to play Mike Glennon one week, which I did. Um, <laughs> but so I want to teach people, and I hope that comes across in, in ours, where I'm not trying to say I'm a big shot. I do have time, and I do have the opportunity to look at all this data and to give you a good decision and kind of teach you the nuances of how you can approach things from a strategy standpoint. So. For our show, 
I think it's important for people to understand that and to take advantage. Like DFS is a chance to start over every single week. Like you feel the heartache maybe if you lost some money, but you can really start over where redraft, if you put yourself in a hole, you're like, oh, this season's over with. And I do love that part about DFS is that you can turn the page. We get to celebrate with people and then we'll tell them like, hey, here's my mistakes. Uh, I love getting to own up on, on the next week. And because DFS is one of the newer types of leagues out there, types of ways to play the game, how did you f- get involved with DFS in the first place? What's, you know, what was that moment where you were like, okay, this is something that I really want to focus on? I think for me, I was playing my redraft league with my friends. I was in a dynasty league. And with DFS, I just wanted to play players that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's that feeling where if you didn't have Chris McCaffrey one year, you're like, I'm getting destroyed by this guy. <laughs> I want a piece of the, the action. I want to, you know, I want to have that feeling of like Christian McCaffrey putting up 45 points. And so that was just part of it. And so over the years I had played, you know, played with some friends, played in tournaments and Betts and I talk about this. We have the same story where the curse of DFS is if you have early success, you just assume it's always going to be like that. You're like, oh, well, I, you know, I won a hundred bucks or I won, you know, thousand bucks, whatever it is. And you just assume like, wow, I didn't even put that much time in this. Imagine if I put time into this, I am yeah. just going to <laughs> quit my job. And that's not the case. It's not the case because once you start having enough reps, you see that uh, it's pretty easy to lose. And it's pretty easy to lose when you go on just hunches. Mm-hmm. So I started to research this from a standpoint of like, how do I construct my teams. And then I think what a lot of people aren't used to is how do I pick the right contest? People look at what's on TV and the big, you know, Millie makers, which are still fun to play. And they just assume like, Oh, if I just have a couple of shots in there, the Millie maker, I'll be great. When your chances are pretty slim because you know, you're probably a novice you're playing with 200 bucks. Like when this other guy's playing with 1500. Um, so I always tell people like, you need to learn the game by playing cash. And so I had to put myself in timeout for a couple of years and just say, Hey, I'm going to play mostly cash and I'm going to figure out like, am I good at this? Or is this just like not really my thing? And so I had a year where I just stayed with it. And 80% of of my, you know, uh, entries each week were just really simple, like double ups or 50 fifties. So 50% of lineups, I think, I I think I can be better than 50% of these people. Um, and you know, I was profitable for that first year, like, you know, nothing big, but like a thousand dollars or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, wow, I, I, this is kind of fun. And so this past year was the first year where it was like, I can do this regularly. I'm, you know, not going to be a slave to it, but I want to actually learn this game from a theory standpoint. And it helped getting to bounce my ideas off of someone for the first time with bets and, uh, to talk out some of those picks. So our DFS pass and our DFS pod is me just going through a process each week, you know, starting on Monday and then go through the entire week and say like, okay, I'm trying to figure this out. And by the time I get to Friday, I'm like, okay, I've done my process and then I'll tinker with it on the weekend and figure out if I can win. And you were speaking of bets being, you know, there that you can bounce ideas off of. How important do you think it is that you have a good conversation, you know, a flow of conversation with the person that you're co-hosting with? And and what do you have to say also to the people who 
are starting out, like you said, we're starting out, you didn't really find your groove until, you know, it took a little bit of time. What kind of advice do you have to people who are kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, the most important part is our time before the podcast and after the podcast. Like, that's just what builds so much camaraderie. It's the, you know, text in the middle of the week where, you know, he's watching some show and, you know, just, and so that that's the part that I love most about podcasting with bets is like it's a, evolved from just us getting on the mic and, and i remember being so nervous that first time and, and true story the first two times that bets and i recorded we lost our audio it was bad mm. and so we felt i felt like an idiot like oh any mike and jason trust me to do this they got me some sweet podcasting equipment and now look at me i can't even like record this thing and so that it was kind of those trials at, at first but it, it really is the camaraderie outside that matters the most. And with bets, you know, us messaging back and forth and just throwing ideas like, Hey, do you like this player this week? What do you think? And I'll go, eh, I don't know. It's just kind of like that builds so that a lot of times you'll, you'll hear us on the podcast say, Hey, when we were talking earlier this week, or when we were off the mic, we mentioned this. It's interesting. People love those moments in podcasting. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, before the show, we were talking about this. My ears always perk up when I'm listening to a show. And they were, they're talking about a moment that's not, I don't know why it feels so sacred that you're hearing a moment <laughs> yeah. that wasn't on the mic. So for your audience, but for the teamwork aspect, like it matters so much. And how, and having the fantasy footballers brand behind the podcast, how does that go through your head? Do you, does that concern you any that like I really have to be on my game because I'm representing them or you know was it like that at the beginning how were how your feelings having them as a brand behind you one I feel super thankful I mm -hmm. so my my personality and maybe it's just where I've been I've been super blessed to be with the footballers you know the last five six years mm -hmm. is I don't really want to start my own thing like it's just yeah. not I'm not I'm just not a branding. I'm not like, right. So it, it actually makes me feel so much easier that I'm not trying to like carry this thing. And I probably should be better at some of this promotion stuff. And I, I, I probably need to grow in that regard, but having their brand behind me actually gives me more confidence because mm -hmm. I know what they're about. Like right. uh, we have the same values and, you know, I've had actually other opportunities where I could have gone somewhere else. Um, and it was just the easiest decision in the world to go like, I know what these guys care about. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that they care about family. They care about being you know, entertaining and mm -hmm. just being accurate. And in terms of me doing this podcast, like I don't have to be somebody else. I don't have to like be crude. That's just not what right. I want to do. I just want to, I want to have fun on the mic. And so that that's actually been an easier thing for me. There is some intimidation sometimes because, you know, they're the footballers and it's done. The DFS pod did really well last year. And at first I was like, wow, are we doing something special? And it was very <laughs> clear. No, it was them and their name that really uh, helped us drive up the charts. But you guys have one of the, the best DFS podcasts. So if you haven't heard it, you need to go check it out because it is a plus thumbs up. Good stuff. You were talking about them being, you know, the fantasy footballers and, and, and the, you know, having the same values you do and how, if you're going to, if you're going to be a person who runs your own site and you want to have people write for you, what kind of 
aspects of a boss do you think would make for an enjoyable situation? Like, like your bosses that you have now, what do they bring to the table that you think is something people should look for in places they choose to, to write? Yeah. So this is going to sound like an interesting answer, but I'm just going to give one that I think Andy's taught me a lot and I've, uh -huh. I've just learned, but you need to be able to have somebody who's willing to say no. And what I mean by that is Andy, Mike, and Jason have a pretty clear filter of what they should give their time to. I mean, think about how many opportunities there are for them, but really anybody in the fantasy space, like you could do dynasty, you could do IDP, you could, you know, there's just so many different avenues that, and I think a lot of times people go so wide, they see all the opportunity, but they don't have a really clear focus and you end up spinning your tires and, and not being able to do that. So look for somebody that's clear in their focus. If it's, you know, a boss or something to write for, uh, it's someone you actually admire the way that they talk on Twitter or the way that they talk, you know, other families. Like, you know, you get, if you want to with Andy, Mike and Jason, you can see them a little bit more on spitballers, or you can look at some mm -hmm. of their old show after the shows. Like those are the fun things. And I've gotten to go out to Arizona a couple of times and, you know, stay with them. And so it's, that's part of it is just like, who are these people off the mic? And they're right. the exact same person. Like, that's what it's very easy for me to say. I've, I've said that on a couple of podcasts and I'm, they're not <laughs> paying me to say that. It really is. They're the same people off the mic. So if you're writing for someone else, do they have a clear focus? Do mm -hmm. they have similar values? They don't have to have perfect. Doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but right. um, do you see this person as someone who is not just all over the place? Like, I don't know. I've just talked to some people that are so bent on getting into industry that they'll do anything, but they're going to sacrifice their values and they're going to mm -hmm. end up sacrificing, you know, what's essential. And honestly, what's essential is just being yourself. And they are the poster children for, you know, being yourself. And, and did you ever think that there would be a group of people in the fantasy football industry that would be like rock stars or like, you know, <laughs> like a boy band of, you know, like, oh my gosh, I, you know, and these guys were like, oh, my favorite's so-and-so. Oh, my favorite's so-and-so. Did you ever think that fantasy football would be like this big, this entertaining, you know? Right. No, because I think the image was just, you know, people either in their basements, which nothing wrong with that, but like just mm -hmm. some dudes and, and honestly dudes talking the way that dudes kind of do sometimes and it's kind of off-putting and not very engaging and it's not very you know it doesn't give you a wide audience so yeah with Andy, Mike and Jason I know Mike would enjoy the rock star image <laughs> uh, he would always say that you know what he wanted to be growing up was a rock star and I guess this is his opportunity to do that and I think for the three of them there's a lot of principles and things that keep them grounded um, mm -hmm. and in the studio they, and they bring this up sometimes, but like one of the key things is to remember how you got here and to remember why you did it. Like mm -hmm. that's, that just matters so much that they remember. And, and when they throw throwback pictures, like of them back in, you know, the bedroom when they used to record, right. that's also for them too, mm -hmm. to, to remind themselves like, Hey, we're just, we're, we did this because we're really good friends and we like talking about football. Let's remind ourselves about that because you know, they, they have tons of opportunities and I love that we stay independent. Like we get to mm -hmm. kind of do what we want to do. And when you tell people that, Hey, you know, I work for the fantasy footballers and this is what I do. 
what are people's first reactions to that if they have no idea anything else about you? <laughs> it's funny because the people that have known me for a very long time, like me growing mm-hmm. up, um, you know, family, friends, like they go, oh, that makes sense. Cause I, you know, I always talked about sports and sports statistics. Right. Um, I think for a lot of people, they understood that it was a part of my life mm-hmm. and, you know, my best friends are the ones in my college league. So like they totally, they totally supported it. They all listen to footballers and you know, that they love it. So I think, I think people don't understand like, what do I do during the week? Especially what do I do right now? It's March. Yeah. And what do you, what do you, what do you do? But you know, there's a lot of fun things we get to build out. And my favorite part of this time of the year is you get to ask the really big questions. You get to say like, okay, what's going to matter? Uh-huh. And we're asking those questions about the ultimate draft kit. And uh, so it's, it's super fun. I, I had to have the conversation with my son, Houston, who's four. We even talked about this today. And he knows that I go, Houston, what do I do for work? He goes, you stay home. Like, well, what, what do I do? Do I just stay home? And he goes, no, you work for the footballers and they have their footballer shirts and stuff. But uh, he gets that I get to talk about football, but the biggest blessing in this season has been that I've got to spend a lot of time with my boys since they're super young. Yeah. I just say that this is this kind of opportunity, me working from home. Like my, I get to show my kids, like, here's what I do. Like they see it mm-hmm. on my, my screens and um, afforded me time to, um, you know, I, people, I think in this industry, they talk a lot about, you got to grind, you got to do all this stuff. Like, honestly, if you find out a couple of things that are important, you don't have to spin your wheels and go crazy. And, you know, it shouldn't affect the, the rest of your life. In fact, I, I want to make sure that what I do, and this is what Andy, Mike, and Jason talk about, like it integrates with our life. Our kids can actually be a part of it. Our families, you know, respect us and respect like, hey, they're not working. Like I, I, I'm done at this time. So I've really enjoyed this season. I felt like I've gotten to be present, you know, with what I do with footballers and present with my family. So I am enjoying it. I can say two months. I'm only two months in. Well, <laughs> that sounds awesome. And I was going to ask you about balancing, you know, family life and home life and, and the fantasy football and work aspect of your, of your life. What do you guys, what do you as a family like to do in your free time when you're not dealing, you know, <laughs> with, you know, work and all that fun stuff? Yeah, for sure. So my wife and I, because we're both teachers, we're like super early people. And this isn't like a, it's just kind of what we do. So we wake up at five (laughs) and that's like sacred time for my wife and I. So, you know, we have our coffee. We don't talk to each other at all, but we sit, you know, across from each other on the couches and that kind of 45 minutes to an hour is just like my, one of my favorite times of the day where we're both just reading and we, we both love to read. Um, so that's super sacred to me. Um, with my boys, I mean, we'll, we like going outside. We like sports. Um, my four-year-old's really into Avengers right now. Um, he So that's kind of fun that we kind of get to share some of that, or at least like the cartoon versions of Avengers. Um, and then I would say on the weekends and stuff like that with with my family, I'm pretty close to my family that lives 20 minutes away. So it's going you know, going outside, going to, you know, my family's house. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like a lot of what I get to do with my kids 
feels normal. It doesn't feel like, oh, I, all right, get the kids to bed so I can do my real life. Like it just feels, you know, pretty simple. But because we go to, because we wake up so early, we also go to bed pretty early. So that doesn't sound as cool as I thought it was when I was like <laughs> eight, 18. But um, yeah, we, uh, right now it's like wake up early and then we are actually really loving that Peloton life. Oh, right wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like kind of our, our thing over the last couple of months that we've, both like, all right, you watch the kids. I'm going to go get on the Peloton and vice versa. So that's kind of the the cool thing in our life right now. And being from Atlanta, being in Atlanta, what are some things that when people come to check out Atlanta, they should, has to be on their list of, of places and things and experiences to check out? So yeah, Atlanta is an interesting city because we're here in the South and there's a lot of, you know, overtones, a lot of things, a lot of history, but it also wants to be like this kind of urban, it wants to be Los Angeles sometimes, it's not. <laughs> um, and so Atlanta as a city has some pretty cool things downtown uh, in terms of uh, underground Atlanta or some of our museums. Um, but I would say that there's some really awesome parks in North Georgia is, is pretty great in terms of the mountains. That's where the Appalachian mountains start. So um, yeah, with Atlanta, it's weird because our sports teams um, are kind of spread out mm -hmm. with Atlanta the Braves kind of moved out of the city uh, so they could get money from rich people and <laughs> um, uh, Falcons. Um, but so there, there's some cool music venues. Um, and then there's, they really try to transform Atlanta where it's like walkable, even though it's spread out. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some cool spots and cool breweries. Uh, some, some of my friends that work at breweries in Atlanta, like will always hook me up with some free stuff. So between like the Beltline um, and some of the other spots, a lot of people know Linux. So when they have the NBA all-star game, Linux is kind of like the big, cool, rich mall uh, around. So yeah, I, I, I love, I've lived Georgia my whole life. Well, that's, I've never been, so I've <laughs> never been, um, so definitely worth checking out. We're trying to, we're looking at hub cities. So, you know. um, what else, let's see. Hmm. Cause there's just, you know, there's so much that I'd like to know about you as a person, since I don't actually <laughs> know you as a person, like I'm here having a conversation with him. You're good. Okay guys. And I've never actually had a conversation with him, but we do, we both, you know, we're over with the fantasy footballers. So we've interacted that way. And you've been nothing but like awesome since I started being over there with you guys. It's just like the perfect family, you know? So mm -hmm. why do you think it's so important to like be a family with the people that, you know, you're, a, you guys are a group, you guys are, you know, a clique, a group, a, a posse, if you will. Uh, what's the importance of, of being a family when you're and with the footballers with the footballers? Yes. Yeah. I think I, mean, I mentioned it a little bit, but like the idea of having shared values, mm -hmm. um, I think on like Twitter, you kind of get some overlap, but, and some people are like, some people in the fantasy football space are just like, let's be buddy, buddy with every person. Yeah. And, and there is some great community. There's also some like false community of like, Hey, you've never met these people. And so you actually yes. don't really know. Right. And that's okay. Like you're getting to know people. And so mm -hmm. having shared values with a group of people that you do things day in, day out matters to me because with your family, they hopefully love you enough to tell you no, like yeah. that's, 
that sounds mean, but like, I love my sons enough that if they're mm-hmm. doing something wrong, like I want to tell them no. And same thing with Andy, Mike and Jason, like I could go in a million directions. I have lots of ideas, but they're willing to say, no, let's like clarify things. Let's focus what we're doing. Right. In the same way, beyond just fantasy football and running a company, like I feel like there's things in our lives that we get to look at and say, okay, it's totally okay for you to go spend time with your family. Like, uh-huh. don't come in today. Like, don't do that. Like, it's totally normal. And so the way that the kids are kind of integrated matters a lot to me because, you know, my wife comes first, but my kids, uh-huh. like, and their dreams and the, you know, figuring out what they care about like that matters so much to me and i I love even at this young age spending time doing that and so i think across the board i think we care about those things and we try not to let this take over and you know be in the first place like this this is not the end all be all being in the fantasy industry is not the goal of my life and but it is it can set me up to do the couple of things i want to do really well and with your kids, I know that they're young. You said four and one. If one day they come to you and they're like, Daddy, I, I want to start playing fantasy football. How are you? How do you think you're going to feel on that day when one of them says, help me out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to eventually bring one of them on as a co-manager. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I mean, that's going to be super fun. Or we'll start just like kind of a little family and family league and they can kind of try it out. So no, I, I think I'm going to love it it's going to be hard because the way that my brain thinks is just like players and numbers just stick with me. Like, Oh, there's so much from the nineties that I probably should delete from my brain, but I'm very (laughs) thankful. There's a lot of baseball in the nineties that just sticks with me. And so I think it'll, it'll be me getting used to the fact that like my kids will not think the exact same thing way as me. And so I want to encourage them in whatever way they like fantasy football, what does it for them? You know, my best friend, he just wants to trade. He trades more than anyone else I've ever met in my entire life. That's what does it for him. He loves trading. Uh, for me, it's not, and I like that, but for me, it's the player, it's the numbers that mm-hmm. tell a story. So I want to figure out what motivates them if they like this football and uh, come alongside that way. Do you think that there's a setting that's, or, you know, a rule is setting anything like that? that isn't as popular right now that you think you could see being kind of the standard in the next couple of years when it comes to, let's just say like a redraft league, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I would say that in terms of the way the league structured, like we're trying to structure fantasy football based on what we like. But if we look uh-huh. at how the, the NFL is like the NFL you know, it's moved to three wide receivers for the most part and kind of negated a lot of the impact that, you know, certain positions could have. So I, I don't love super flex leagues because I like imitating the fact that we just, I could see super flex being more and more just like normal. Like it's just a normal part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the fact that first downs are pretty important. So I could see in terms of scoring, that uh, points per first down just becomes super normal because that's a better gauge than a catch. Like a two-yard catch for Jamison Crowder doesn't mean that much. Like it's it's not that important, but a first down is is more important in terms of the game. And so I could see that being something that is just there in most leagues. And 
I'm going to give you probably the most important question, this last question, before we get to who you are, you know, socials and all that jazz. Who is your all-time favorite kicker? Ooh, that is actually a really great question. So <laughs> what's funny about the kicker thing is maybe it's kind of how I like approaching things, but no one, everyone ratted on it for so long. Just like, this yeah. is terrible. This is, you know, you can't figure it out. And I was like, I asked the question, like, is this actually an unpredictable position? Or are we just bad at it? Yeah. And so I did, I ran all the numbers and I, one year I found out that we were actually worse at predicting quarterbacks that year than kickers. Wow. Like, so, you know, it's, it's, it really is kind of a week to week thing. Like that's how fantasy football works. So uh, my all time favorite kick kicker. So for the Falcons, Morton Anderson's kind of a legend. He's in the Hall of Fame and he kicked us to the Super Bowl in 98. So that's kind of like, <laughs> you know, but I would say I have a distinct memory of starting Jason Elam as my kicker. And he's, you know, one of the guys that hit the 63, whatever yarder. Like, I just remember when I first got started in fantasy football, Jason Elam was my kicker one year and uh -huh. just destroyed. And honestly, it was probably a bad pick. But um, so I'll say Jason Elam of, of the Broncos. And, but I do love Rodrigo Blankenship. He's good for the sport. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Plus, I mean, we've got these cool glasses. You guys can't see, but we got these cool glasses on. You know, we <laughs> our kicker homie over there yeah. represent. Well, you know, Kyle, I'm just so happy that you came on with me. Like we were supposed to do this a while back, and I'm glad that we could finally do it and get my stuff together. Um, can you go ahead and just, you know, let everybody know where they can find you, what you're up to and anything else that you want to plug? For sure. So on Twitter, I'm at Kyle underscore Borg. If you go to the fantasyfootballers.com, you'll probably find my name on either articles or um, editing some of our stuff. And I'll just plug. Uh, so a lot of people know about the ultimate draft kit. And one of the questions that I asked us is that, for the experienced player, I think the ultimate draft kit is something like, oh, that was nice when I first got started and now uh -huh. I'm good on my own. But when we built out the UDK plus, when we really built out adding on the DFS pass and the dynasty pass, we had in mind the people that wanted to go further. Like they were like, okay, I want a little bit more. And so that was, you know, a lot of the dynasty pass was me and Mike going back and forth and just saying like, what would actually matter to someone who's looking at dynasty and if they don't even have a dynasty league, like they want to get into these rookies and their production profiles. And, um, so that was us just looking at that together. So if I had to plug one thing, it's, it's the fact that we're stupid for offering the UDK plus <laughs> you really get three things. You get the ultimate draft kit, you get the dynasty pass, and then you get a DFS pass, which I have no idea why we're offering the DFS pass portion. Like a lot of websites, which are great. And I paid for them are asking you to pay $60 a month. I mean, we're asking for $60 for all three of those things one time. So it's a pretty sweet deal to get all of those things, you know, and, and there's discounts. There's just, there's just so many opportunities to be able to get in um, on that. So it's a pretty awesome labor of love and we update it every single day. I mean, that's what I do when I wake up in the morning, I get on my computer. How can I update the dynasty pass? <laughs> portion so yeah go to ultimatedraftkit.com that's awesome it is a genius product and one of the staples of the fantasy footballers so definitely check that out 
Kyle, I thank you again for coming on. It's been awesome, and I, I'm sure everybody's going to really enjoy this. So <laughs> thanks for, for joining, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully my Wi-Fi won't drop and I can actually put this out pretty soon. <laughs> All good. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, dude. Have a good one.